Would you like to be able to start conversations like a pro? Take The Sunday World, your daily dose of what's going on. Do not consume The Sunday World if you're involved in a drug cartel, you're a politician with something to hide, or you've appeared on a reality TV show and care about others' opinions. Consume The Sunday World responsibly. Always read the stories, gossip, and commentary. Wow, buddy! You look healthy and happy. Veterinary surgeon and natural pet food pioneer John Burns knows the positive impact a natural diet has on our beloved pets. That's why he developed Burns Pet Nutrition. Hmm. Maybe I should try some of your pet food myself. Okay, okay. I'll start with a salad. For natural, no nasty, wholesome recipes, choose Burns Pet Nutrition. Available from veterinary clinics and all good pet shops across Ireland. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Crime World with me, Nicola Talent, is coming to your town with live shows across the country. We're taking to the road with promoter MCD. We'll be in Dolan's of Limerick on May 3rd and in Belfast Limelight on May 17th. Then it's on to Cork at Cypress Avenue on May 18th and finally Galway, where we will perform at Monroe's on May 19th. For tickets, check venue websites. Omerta, the sacred secret code of the underworld. But what happens to those who break it? The individual we're speaking about that is issuing these threats would be considered one of the biggest gangland players in the, in the entire country. A lot of that is due to his completely reckless and, I suppose, depraved behaviour in relation many times to collecting debts. What so many of them do is go after the people that actually do have access to money, maybe be able to get a credit union loan or to be able to remortgage your house. I'm Nicola Talent, and you're listening to Crime World, a podcast about criminals, drugs and the sins of the underworld in Ireland and across the globe. He is the notorious gangland killer who is behind bars for life, but is still spreading fear outside the prison walls. In February, convicted killer Christopher Dunn was caught with drugs after returning to Mountjoy Prison from a hospital visit. But this drug seizure sparked a series of threats as one of the country's most dangerous criminals demanded cash from Dunn for the drugs and issued threats to some of his innocent associates outside the jail. Today I am speaking to Irish independent crime correspondent Ken Foy about the scourge of drug debt intimidation. I'm Niall Donald and this is Crime World, a podcast from sundayworld.com. So this week, Ken, you had a story in the Sunday World about how, despite being in prison serving a life sentence for murder, one of Ireland's most notorious gangland killers is still managing to get involved in serious acts of intimidation uh, on the outside. Could you tell us a bit about what what you looked into? Well, this is a story, Niall, that relates to um, incidents that happened uh, sent around Mountjoy Prison, essentially in February, where... There's a convicted murderer by the name of Christopher Dunn. He's from the Kilbarrick area of the north side of Dublin. Uh, He's been in jail for a very, very long time. He had three hospital appointments in February. And on two occasions when he 
came back to the prison uh, shortly after he was caught with drugs. One of these um, seizures within the prison was a small enough haul, but the other uh, drug seizure was what's described as significant. There was a large amount of pills and what's described as other substances discovered in his cell after he had come back from a hospital appointment. Um, so it has since transpired. Um, he's obviously been subject to discipline by the prison authorities and, and the matter is going to be forwarded to the Gardaí. But it has since uh, transpired that the very dangerous gangland criminal who's, uh, who's also serving a life sentence for murder has been issuing threats to associates of um, Mr. Dunn on the outside. So, like, and to be clear, these people are innocent people. They're not involved in any drugs trade. They have nothing to do with anything. But what, what's happening is the debt is being put on them. Like, they haven't ever involved themselves in anything, but they all of a sudden get told, you know, whatever whatever value is going to be put on it and you have to pay it. Um, and it, I suppose it does show, it shows a couple of things. Like, this is what goes on in prison, isn't it, with these People go out for temporary release, get brought to hospital, and they're basically ordered to smuggle drugs back in, probably in their in their in their bodies. Not to be graphic about it, Ken. But it's not quite sure, Niall, exactly how how these drugs were brought in. I suppose it it is a suspicion that it it was linked to a hospital visit. But what one thing is definitely for sure: um, the associates of uh, Mister Dunn are completely innocent and have nothing to do with um, the fact that he was caught with these drugs in prison. And, of course, the person making these threats, um, to say the least, is a very, very dangerous person. And we can't, obviously, dis- uh, go into it, name him. Um, the reason that he is still, there's still criminal charges that he's facing. But the reality is that he does have a history of of of, of using violence to collect, I suppose you could say, alleged drug debts. There was certainly one very serious incident in the north of Ireland where where he that was linked to him, where there was uh, shots fired. I mean, this this guy who who has been uh, maybe a player in the in the in violence, uh, gangland violence in Kulak, to put it that way. I mean, he is at the upper echelons of the most dangerous people in in this city. In the city. Well, Niall, it wouldn't be an exa- an exaggeration to say that this. The, the individual we're speaking about that is, that is issuing these threats would be considered one of the biggest gangland players in a, in the entire country. And that, that would be, a lot of that is due to his completely reckless and I suppose depraved behaviour in relation many times to collecting debts, drug debts. There's at least two murders, at least two, um, I'm yeah. probably being conservative, linked to... Um, him and his collection of drug debts. And you're often not talking about huge amounts of money even, like, isn't it? There's been people, you know, he's involved in, you know, sh- threats to shoot, shooting people for, you know, not not millions of pounds or anything, or millions of euros even, Ken, to show my age, but not you're, not, you're not talking about fortunes, you're talking about relatively small amounts. Absolutely, you know, 20 grand, um, for instance. Um, did, this is an individual that was centrally involved in the Kulak feud, which, which thankfully has seemed to die, die down now a lot, but it did lead to the murder of uh, five people. 
Um, he was a main protagonist in that and is in, a suspect, in fact, for at least two of those murders, but also a number of other very violent incidents. So the, let's, I suppose to call Christopher Dunn a victim in this case is probably wrong, but he would be classified as fairly vulnerable and very much down the lower um, echelons of the food chain compared to the the individual that we can't name here on this podcast for legal reasons. Yeah, because of course this this individual that we can't name was, you know, a, one, a young man was shot um, in in front of his child, and and that was, you know, maybe a complicated story like all of these things with a few different things going on, but a drug debt was was believed to be at the heart of it. Um, yeah, Christopher Dunn. Um, you know, he is a person who's been in prison since for almost 20 years at this stage. Um, he was involved in one of the most notorious crimes of, of its time, you know. The reason was, um, I remember it well, because there was three people involved in, uh, three people convicted of killing a young man called Alan Higgins. Um, at the time, it was one of those killings that people, it probably doesn't get repeated a lot over the years, but it was one of those things that really, really shocked people, uh, in part because the killers were all in their teens. Um, Christopher Dunn at the time was just 15. Um, Alan Higgins was a, a totally innocent person who was just going to the cinema in, in Kulak with his girlfriend. Um, three young, young men stopped him, demanded his wallet and his phone, um, and ultimately stabbed him to death. He 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 sort of Alan got stabbed in the chest, staggered off, um, and they took his wallet and divided up 115 euros between them. And then even used the phone to te to text his his girlfriend, kind of taunting him. An absolutely mindless killing. Um, I remember it because one of the other of the three men involved, um, a guy called Michael Marr, who wasn't convicted like Christopher Dunn of murder, he was convicted of manslaughter. Um, my first uh, week in the Sunday world, actually, he got out of prison and we and I remember going up to him, uh, so it sticks in my head. How, you did know? That, how did you get on with him? He was actually very, you know, he was, a lot of the, these guys, you confront them and they say nothing or they, they, they're angry with you, you know? Um, they're angry with you for for bringing it up, but he was he was more uh, considered, you know. Um, I suppose he was a very young young man <coughs> when when he did it himself, you know. Um, but you know, it was one of those killings that that at the time they got two two guys were convicted of manslaughter. They got short sentences, um, which so, subsequently actually got increased on appeal. But in Christopher Dunn's case, it was actually it was a very shocking crime in the sense of the ages of the perpetrators for wanting but um, the evidence heard in court was that these were three guys that were running amok on the night. It could be, you'd imagine you know not wanting to get into a cliche but it would be every parent's nightmare if your kids were out around the you know the UCI cinema complex in Kulak where these did three guys, but were being actually led by Christopher Dunn. They'd actually attacked a group of five other teens um, earlier in the night. They were on the absolute rampage. Now, Christopher Dunn at the time, he was only 15 years of age, but he was heavily involved in a drugs trade in terms he was actually dealing drugs. Yeah. He was the ringleader of a group of three people. Um the victim in the case, Mr. Higgins, was has been kind of described as 
kind of the opposite to every parent's worst nightmare. Really, exactly, actually. yeah. The, the kind of it, the, the son that every parent would want to have. Yeah. But they not only, unfortunately for him, after just doing what what any young man, young teenager was doing, having a decent night out with his girlfriend, um, going to get a bus home, to be co- confronted by this mob, which was essentially led by Christopher Dunn. Um, it it was a very prominent news story at the time because of the absolute shocking nature of the violence that was used in it. Now, I suppose, Niall, we're well used to, and we won't go too much into them, no. some very high-profile cases involving children in yeah. recent times. But I know, like, and I suppose this is 20 years ago, it's actually longer than that since the murder happened, but... Um, Christopher Dunn's lawyers fought a big battle in the court to have him treated as a convicted, a, a juvenile, a teenager. Yeah. who was 15 when he carried out, 17 when he was done or convicted for the murder. But the judge said, ruled that because of the gravity of his behaviour on the night and maybe some of the other factors surrounding his person, his personality or form that he could not be considered a young person. No, I mean, if you look back, so it, I think the actual crime committed in October 20, 2002, like what a waste of lives that have gone on surrounding that night. You know, you had a, a very innocent, admirable young man killed. I mean, if, if the family at the time, Alan Higgins' family spoke really movingly, I think, yes. during the court hearings. And particularly his mother, Niall. Particularly his mother, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, her life, and she described it, I think, at the time as saying, you know, it it, it consumes it consumes her health, that she's... Um, she thinks of her son there's night not one, and day. Yeah, yeah, there's not one second that she doesn't long for him. So that family's have been ruined. Christopher Dunn, Dunn's life, his own life, his own whatever potentially had has been ruined. He's ended up in prison, and now his own associates are still being affected by by this. And you know, you can sometimes um, people say, you know. Uh, like crime, you know, it's 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 just people, you know, one scumbag killing another scumbag is always something that that you get thrown at. But really, you see the the, the consequences of 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 an action like that, and it was it was shocking because that sense of of kind of pe- people behaving in a feral way, where life kind of doesn't really seem to amount to anything, and for people to be doing that at fifteen, when you know. There's still such innocence in teenagers, you know. Um, it, it it was shocking, and the consequences are still here to this day. Christopher Dunn may well, he seems to have not been one of a particularly violent or or bad prisoner, if you want. But his still innocent associates of his are still still being affected by it. Um, yes, I suppose what you're looking at as well within the jail system, Niall, as well, is that. The price of drugs, whatever drugs they may be, whether it's tablets, whether it's heroin, whether it's cocaine, it's quadrupled at least on the outside price. So an in- individual like Christopher Dunn, who was, I suppose, described in court as not being just kind of the smartest, yeah. um, the smartest lad in his class, to paraphrase what was kind of said about him, like that, he he goes into a system there and he's serving life um, and he's 
kind of vulnerable in a way. I think he caused a good bit of trouble when he first went into the prison system. But as he's got older now, he's he's been in jail longer than he has been yeah. um, outside of jail. Yeah. Um, he has to, because he's serving a life sentence, he has to face a parole board to get out. And it seems he he hadn't come to much adverse attention for quite a, a long time. The fact that he's caught with drugs on two separate occasions in February really puts a massive dent in him getting out of prison anytime soon before, come before the parole board. That's not going to look good. But the issue, I suppose, that we're coming back to is the fact that he has been blamed for um, the loss of these drugs, which were seized from his prison cell, and his associates on the outside are getting flack. And it's kind of telling, Niall, that um, he, he himself is not on any major restricted regime within the prison, which going back to the gangland figure that we can't name talk that we were talking about shows the actual complete cynicism of the individual. He knows that Christopher Dunn is no use, he's not going to be able to provide any cash to him in jail. No. He's only a pawn in his game. Yeah. So what he's doing is, what so many of them do, is go after the people, mostly many times innocent, that actually do have access to to money or perceived money or to maybe be able to get a credit union loan or to be able to remortgage your house. Yeah, you see, this is, I suppose, if you look at the, the rippling effects of gangland crime, probably one of the biggest issues is drug debt intimidation. Um, <clears throat> you know, we see it again and again. Obviously, there's people in the drugs trade and maybe you could make an argument that they, they know what they're doing. But really what, what keeps happening um, and... You know, we come across it constantly in the, in 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 journalism. It's not a week that doesn't go by that we don't get a, a call from somebody saying, "I'm being intimidated by this drug dealer for a debt of for my son," and they're claiming I owe five six grand. Um, like it's become a huge issue in society. There was actually an interesting thing there recently from from uh, one of the the family support networks, and they were saying the 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 majority of the people who get threats for d- drug intimidation are the mothers of people, you know. So so cynical, isn't it? Yeah. So I mean, it is an issue that the certainly the Gardaí have 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 recognised in recent times and and have made a probably a, a concerted effort to try and stamp down on. Yeah. Well, it's. Without a doubt, it's a look. It's not a new problem. Um, I suppose guards are going to are saying that the whole COVID situation, mm. where people were in lockdown, um, like many other kind of facets of society, led to drug dealers um, being unable to collect debts as easily as they might have before all that happened. Yeah. So it has kind of led to an explosion in the whole situation. Um, and there's no absolutely no doubt about that. There's no doubt that it's a countrywide problem. For example, um, the Garda Commissioner, I think it was in January, spoke about how serious he, Drew Harris, spoke to um, uh, in Donegal to um, a joint policing committee meeting there about how serious he considers the issue. Um, that it is a very growing issue. And in Wexford last year, a presentation was given by the then chief superintendent who explained just how serious it was. Like, many people would think of Wexford kind of as a rural area, but yeah. he, he outlined that he was dealing with 12 cases yeah. um, in, in that particular year. And of, of some of them involving the most serious of threats. 
Yeah. And in the particular county as well, two people in in the same year were given 10, 10 years in jail each for the most vilest of threats and carrying out some forms of in, in intimidation and violence in relation to the collection of drug debts. So the guards have... Um, they have an officer nominated in every Garda division nationwide to deal with it. Now, the problem is it's very much, because of the very nature of it, it's very much underreported. Yeah, I so, mean, the reason is, like, for the obvious reason that that the people who... who generally developing these drug debts are living in communities where where these people have a lot of power. Um, we got a call there recently, and I won't go into specifics, but, you know, eventually it didn't amount to a story for the obvious reason, but it was a, a mother phoning us up, her teenage son, who was in his late teens, he'd, uh, he'd had a, a bag of weed worth a couple of thousand that had been caught by the police. He'd been told, um, you have to give up the money. He couldn't, didn't have two two thousand. It's a lot of money for for somebody who's on the dole. Um, they then kicked in the door of the house. They first put in the windows. Then they kicked in the door of the house. Then they beat him up, and then they went to the mother. And at that stage, what what had been two thousand had gone up to four or five thousand, and she was told, "If you don't, if you don't pay it up, we're going to chop his head off." just as simple as that. Now, this is an 18-year-old kid, so she had to go to family. There was, you know, not getting into specifics, assets had to be sold. I mean, this is like life-changing kind of stuff for ordinary people, an ordinary single woman she was. So, I mean, that's the the consequence of these things, isn't it? I mean, it's the it's the families mostly that 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 get hit up. Oh, yeah. And, like, you know, the, the guards, particularly here in Dublin, they, they have... Um, set up Operation Fogra, yep. which is, has led to a number of people being charged before the courts. And when you see those charges, obviously we can't outline them in much detail here. Yeah, but it, it, they are. It's in relation to dr- to drug intimidation, and it is generally innocent family members uh, being targeted. But you're looking at it's such charges of assault causing harm, aggravated burglary, demanding money, menaces, menaces, threats to kill and producing an article during dispute. These are very, very, very serious um, yeah, things very- that had to happen to innocent people, like on their, on their doorstep because their, you know, their son um, yeah. might owe a few quid and sometimes it's been outlined in court as well. Sometimes it's, it's a couple of grand. Yeah, and it so, Sometimes it's a hundred grand. Yeah, and then, some, which is an un, un, unimaginable amount of money for most people to have to generate. I mean, people are having mortgage houses, sell cars and all of that. Then there's taxes on these debts. Yeah. Then other gangs uh, buy debts, which add is, more money. It's just... It's, yeah, because it, it is a thing that some enforcers or whatever we call them, but they do, they basically say, if this guy, they buy a debt off somebody. And then they go and they that now the money is owed to this person, and they tend to escalate it to make money, and they tend to bring in another extra layer of violence. It's um, horrific. Like there was Niall, you know, there's so many. We follow the courts every week as part of our job, but like, and there's not a week that goes by that you're not going to see a case linked to this kind of stuff, um, even if it's not specifically said, but. There was a, a case there in, in, that was heard in Cork Circuit Court in February where um, a member of a Dublin-based organised crime gang, a guy from Clondalkin, went down to Mitchellstown um, 
there was an 8,500 euro debt owed. So this guy arrives down um, to Mitchellstown, of all places, yeah. which... Um, not a, not a drug central? Not, well, it wouldn't be generally featured no. that way, but no. I suppose drugs are everywhere, as we yeah. know. But um, he, he arrives into a, an estate and arrives up to a house and in his own car, no COVID mask on, his own registered car, no COVID mask on or anting, banging on a door, a man in his late 60s answers it, um, didn't know what the hell was going on. Um, this guy is threatening him. Oh, he wants his 8,500. I'll be back to burn down your house. Yeah. And all this kind of stuff. And uh, next thing, um, obviously your man had driven in his own car. The guards were able to pick it up on CCTV. He called to the wrong house. He <laughs> was jailed there in February for uh, three years. Yeah. Now look, it seems a bit... Ireland's dumbest criminal. Ireland's dumbest criminal, but could you imagine being that, being that um, gentleman that, to answer the door to this yeah. crazed individual who felt so, I suppose, what's the word? Well, I think... So confident that he, he didn't even bother, he could have worn a COVID mask, he didn't bother hiding his identity, he was down in his own car. And you see, in a lot of these cases that are being prosecuted now in North. County Dublin and the north side as part of Operation Fogra, when the evidence does come out in relation to these individuals, you will see as well that they feel that they can kind of act with impunity. Yeah. You're driving around in your own motor, places full of CCTV, yeah. you can call up to someone's house without a mask on. That's the level that these guys think they're at. Yeah, and there's a reason, of course, is that if, if you're somebody living in social housing and, you know, your son is, is you've got a debt that's meant to be devolved in your son. You don't have the opportunity of, I'll, I'll move to, I'll, I'll move to Stillorgan instead. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> no, no. Like you don't like. So people I, are stuck in that community and they have their ties in that community, and it makes it very I, different. I suppose now, though, it is important to note that when we, like as I was saying earlier, like I mean, it's this is not all about um, working class communities. No, like it affects. And it does affect every facet of yeah. every area of the countryside. That's why I suppose I was trying to mention the Donegal example yeah. and the Wexford example. Just you know, if 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 one was maybe to think that this was a, an inner city problem or something like that, it's certainly not. No, and you're seeing it increasingly in rural Ireland as yeah. As um, so, look, I've just read out one thing from um, from from a, a group called the F- Family Support Network, and they did a did a brief paper on, on drug intimidation and they said 30 people had accessed their, their, their group for debts of 500 euros or less and the people most likely to suffer from these intimidations was most likely the mothers, then the siblings and then the fathers. So you're talking the, the types of violence that, that was threatening behaviour, threatening personal property, physical violence and increasing amounts of sexual uh, Threats as well, which we have actually heard in the courts, people saying, you know, I'll do, you know, threatening sexual attacks. So, I mean, it's a huge issue, um, but it is, I suppose, good to see that it is starting to become a focus of of of, of the Gardaí. But the reality, Niall, like yeah. the, the, and the guards, it is a focus for them. Even the fact that the commissioner gave that uh, speech in Donegal about the specific issue of this. Um, and there's been pre- presentations across the country from chief superintendents, but the reality is, um, and the guards will tell you this themselves, it is, by its very nature, it's hugely underreported. So what the guards are sometimes kind of trying to have to do is offer 
um, victims in these cases two options. That they can go make a complaint and everything's done officially. Um, and, you know, they could, they a, state, a, statement. a statement is made, an arrest, which will lead to someone's the intimidator's arrest. That, for most people, and the reality is most people, it's not half the people, that is not an option. It's yeah. just not. So what some um, guarded divisions are doing, and it's a, it seems to be a fair enough way of trying to tackle it, is to get informal statements to be just... Uh, they are basically, because they have enough... Uh, generally of the rank of inspector, but not always, in every division assigned to this kind of stuff, they are offering that they, they be told what's going on. They, you know, it's not a case of prosecuting young Johnny who's, who owes the money yeah. or that kind of thing. That's not to say they won't do them if they catch them with, yeah. with drugs, but that means that they um, have the intelligence hmm. to be able to to be able to maybe do a bit of surveillance on an estate if there is an issue, and they could possibly ar um, arrest these suspects without the involvement. If without for, the need for a formal statement to be made exactly, out in court. If, for example, someone is seen by the guards banging on a door, yeah. the guards intervene and there's, like, you know, a gun, a yeah. petrol bomb or whatever in, inside the car of the of the people that are doing the intimidating, it, what the guards are pointing out, that if that sometimes can lead to a prosecution without the need of having any statement from the person that's been intimidated. Well, let's, it's, it's certainly a, an issue that we're going to keep an eye on and we will also keep an eye on the, the progress of this gangland criminal who, who started this discussion as he goes through the courts. Um, so thanks very much, Ken. Much, much nicer interview than Nicola, would you say? Would you say much softer? A softer and more much, gentle. Mu much more handsome. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks very much, Ken. Take care. Thank you. You've been listening to Crime World, a podcast from Sundayworld.com. Produced by Ian Mullaney and edited by me, Nicola Talent. Research assistant is Clodamini. If you like this show and love true crime, leave us a review. Or why not download the free Sundayworld.com app for lots more stories from Ireland and across the globe. Would you like to be able to start conversations like a pro? Take the Sunday world your daily dose of what's going on. Do not consume the Sunday world if you're involved in a drug cartel, you're a politician with something to hide, or you've appeared on a reality TV show and care about others' opinions. Consume the Sunday world responsibly. Always read the stories, gossip, and commentary.